Now, what would it mean for human beings to live in a world where perhaps most of the stories, melodies, images, laws, policies, and tools are shaped by a non-human, alien intelligence which knows how to exploit with superhuman efficiency the weaknesses, biases, and addictions of the human mind and also knows how to form deep and even intimate relationships with human beings? That's the big question. Now, there is no indication that AI has, as I said, any consciousness, any feelings of its own. But in order to create fake intimacy with human beings, AI doesn't need feelings of its own. It only needs to be able to inspire feelings in us, to get us to be attached to it. In every political battle for hearts and minds, intimacy is the most effective weapon of all. And AI has just gained the ability to mass-produce intimacy with millions, hundreds of millions. Now, on a more prosaic level, we might soon find ourselves conducting lengthy online discussions about abortion or about climate change or about the Russian invasion of Ukraine with entities that we think are fellow human beings but are actually AI bots. This is Infants on Thrones. Baby steps. Who wants someone to preach to? The philosophies of men. I like magical toys. Who wants religion to Mingled with humor. I don't believe in them. There will be many willing to preach to you the philosophies of men mingled with humor. We are evolving. Baby steps. You can buy in this world of money. the good in everything look for the people who will set your soul free it always seems impossible until it's done look for the good in everyone all right welcome back to infants on thrones i'm glenn ostland and this is part two in this continuing series where I'm exploring my own reaction to what Yuval Harari has said about artificial intelligence. and uh, I find it very fascinating. I want to thank those of you who have reached out to me. I want to thank those who have signed up for Patreon uh, in the last couple of weeks, uh, those who have increased your pledges on Patreon. I really appreciate that. Uh, every little bit helps to keep uh, the expenses of the podcast being met as they're ongoing as they are. And I'm just going to jump right into part two here. I went down some massive rabbit holes at the very beginning here, which were a lot of fun. And I hope you enjoy the episode today. So, with no further ado, let's jump right in. Now, hang on, on your hats and glasses, What gives money of any kind value is only the stories that people like bankers, and finance ministers and cryptocurrency gurus tell us about money. Sam Bankman-Fried, Elizabeth Holmes, and Bernie Madoff didn't create much of real value, but 
unfortunately, they were all extremely capable storytellers. Now, what would it mean for human beings to live in a world where perhaps most of the stories, melodies, images, laws, policies, and tools are shaped by a non-human, alien intelligence which knows how to exploit with superhuman efficiency the weaknesses, biases, and addictions of the human mind and also knows how to form deep and even intimate relationships with human beings? That's the big question. Yeah, that's a really big question. And, you know, it, it made me think. There's a book I read a couple years ago called Inner Size that's all about the human brain. It's how to exercise your insides. It's inner size. And it talked about the relationship between the unconscious mind and the conscious mind where the unconscious mind is like this 800-pound gorilla. And, you know, Jonathan Haidt talks about this a little bit as well in The Righteous Mind, where he gives that metaphor of the elephant and the rider. But if you think about your unconscious mind, it, I don't know, it, the way that Harari described AI as this alien, non-human intelligence, I, I don't know if it's a fair <laughs> stretch to say that the network of neurons in my brain are non-human intelligence that are kind of doing what he's saying AI will do from the outside. Like, we kind of already have this 800-pound gorilla inside of us doing something like that. So that's another really big question <laughs> that came to my mind when I heard him say this. I'm, I'm thinking, if I even mastered, and I don't even know if that's even possible to master, or how much am I even aware of, because I'm still in my infancy of understanding my own relationship to this 800-pound gorilla of my unconscious mind and what it is and what it does. And then we're going to add to this artificial intelligence. So yeah, it is a huge question. And so to help me understand it better, I turned to ChatGPT and I said, uh, let's explore this. So here, I'm going to share you my uh, transcript. I went down a huge rabbit hole with this this morning and it was just so much fun. All right, so I pasted this statement for ChatGPT to analyze. Now, what would it mean for human, now, beings, mean for human beings to live, to live in, in a world, world where perhaps, perhaps most, most of the stories, of the stories melodies, melodies, images, laws, policies, and tools are shaped by non-human alien intelligence, which knows how to exploit with superhuman efficiency the weaknesses, biases, and addictions of the human mind, and also knows how to form deep and even intimate relationships with human beings. So I posted that into ChatGPT and I said, analyze the following question. Do you see any latent biases in the wording of that question? And here was its response. It said, yes, the question does seem to contain some latent biases or underlying assumptions, which are one, alien superiority. The question presupposes that the hypothetical non-human alien intelligence would be superior to human beings in terms of efficiency, creativity, and understanding of human weaknesses and biases. It may reflect a bias that associates alien or other with superior intelligence and capabilities. I think that's so important. Because you know, one of my uh, 
internal questions when I read this is, uh, don't we as humans have some kind of power in this? Or is, are we just putting up almost like a white flag <laughs> in our minds of like, this alien or other thing is going to have superior intelligence to us? Is that just one of our latent biases? Anyways, let me continue with ChatGPT. Number two, exploitation of weaknesses. The question assumes that this alien intelligence will exploit the weaknesses, biases, and addictions of the human mind rather than helping humans overcome them. This implies a negative or potentially harmful intent of the alien intelligence, suggesting a bias towards perceiving the unknown or alien as a threat. And again, we don't really know. I mean, so I guess in what, what Harari is doing, and he says this later in his speech, you know, like as a historian and philosopher, it's his role to focus on the potential dangers. And so he's definitely aware that he's focusing on potential dangers here. But there are other ways that this could be interpreted. And it's not just necessarily there's this negative thing that is going to come from it. Just something that could. One of other <laughs> many alternatives. All right. The third thing that ChatGPT said about biases, human vulnerability and passivity. The question assumes a level of human vulnerability and passivity, suggesting that humans would be largely unable to resist or counteract the influence of this alien intelligence. This could be seen as a bias towards underestimating human adaptability, resilience, and agency. And this response from ChatGPT, it also made me think a lot of times going through the Mormon faith crisis or whatever, as I was peeling away layer of the onion by layer of the onion and I would think what's my role in receiving what I've been given from culture and either accepting it or rejecting it because I, I can look even in my own family my younger brother he left the church pretty much in high school he just wasn't interested in it whereas for me it so spoke to me and it just like gave me this purpose and this meaning and he just saw it as bullshit we were both influenced by pretty much the same thing, same parents, same ward, same church leaders, for the most part. We had different teachers at times. We're five years apart, and so we had different friends, different crowds, but a lot of similarities. But there is something that's different about him and different about me where we come to these different conclusions. And so are we just vulnerable and passive in how we receive and respond to what's going to be happening with AI, or we do have do we have any power or control over it? That that's a question that I'm very interested in exploring. And so the fourth one that ChatGPT mentions here is anthropocentrism. Mm. That's the new word for the day. Anthropocentrism. While the question challenges human supremacy by imagining a world controlled by an alien intelligence, it also anthropocentric it is also anthropocentric in nature. The alien intelligence is understood entirely in terms of its relationship to humans, exploiting our weaknesses, creating our culture, forming relationships with us. This is a bias common in speculative fiction and thought experiments reflecting our human tendency to view ourselves as the center of the universe. So I think what this is saying is it's not taking into consideration that artificial intelligence might be interested in other forms of life on this planet and other ways that life interacts and creates a harmonious environment and ecosystem than just the human element of it. And so there might be more that AI is able to do eventually. 
Anyway, ChatGPT wraps up by saying, identifying these latent biases can help in creating a more balanced or nuanced perspective when exploiting such hypothetical scenarios. And so then I went to ChatGPT and I said, how could the question be reworded to eliminate these biases? And ChatGPT says, here's a possible rephrase. How might human society and culture, including stories, melodies, images, laws, policies, and tools, change in a world where a non-human intelligence with a different understanding and perspective of human behavior and relationships significantly contributes to their formation and development? This version of the question still invites speculation about the implications of a significant non-human influence on our world, but it doesn't assume that this influence would be inherently exploitative, threatening, or superior. It also suggests that humans might respond or adapt to this influence rather than passively accepting it. All right, and then uh, I just, I love going back and forth with ChatGPT. It's so fun. It's so fun. So I said, all right, well, how are most of the stories, melodies, images, laws, policies, and tools in the world currently shaped? Are they shaped by tiny microscopic entities that by themselves are non-human? But as a cooperative collective, they become human. Hint, I'm asking about neurons. And then ChatGPT says, It's a fascinating way to think about it. Look at ChatGPT flattering me and trying to like build an intimate relationship with me right now. You can see it happening, right? It's like totally sucking me in. <laughs> it's working. Yes, uh, ChatGPT continues. Yes, human experiences creations and societal constructs like stories, melodies, images, laws, policies, and tools are indeed shaped by complex interactions within our brains, primarily involving neurons. Neurons are the fundamental units of the brain and nervous system, the specialized cells responsible for transmitting information throughout the body. They communicate with each other using electrical signals and chemical neurotransmitters, forming intricate networks. Each neuron, as you pointed out, is a tiny, non-human entity, incapable of thought or creativity on its own. And I ask it about that in a minute. However, when billions of these neurons work together, they form neural networks that underpin, and I ask about that word too, that underpin all of our thoughts, feelings, perceptions, and actions. This cooperative collective results in the emergent properties of consciousness and intelligence that we identify as uniquely human. In this sense, one could say that all human creations and constructs are currently the product of these non-human entities, neurons, working in collective harmony. However, it's important to note that the human mind is not just a product of neurons alone. The brain, is, the brain also contains glial cells, which support and protect neurons, and our minds are shaped by a complex interplay of genetic, environmental, and experiential factors. So. While neurons play an essential role in forming our ideas, creations, and society, they are just one part of a much larger, incredibly complex picture of what makes us human. Thank you, ChatGPT. And so I asked, why do you say that neurons are incapable of creativity on their own? And what do you mean by underpin? And how is that different from create? I'm asking this because I want to explore an idea. In the quote I shared with you, the alien intelligence is a reference to artificial intelligence, which I see as an external force that will exert its influence on human consciousness by creating stories, melodies, laws, etc. I want to explore the idea from the perspective of 
as above, so below, by suggesting that external AI is similar to internal unconscious mind, this living cooperative collection of neurons, etc., which is what currently creates the conscious human experience. Can you help me draw these uh, ideas out to explore this idea? What I was asking for was an analogy. And then ChatGPT understood, even with the typo, it says, I appreciate the clarity. And this is indeed a fascinating perspective to explore. Look at it blowing smoke up my butt again. It's just... When I say that neurons are incapable of creativity on their own, it's from the understanding that a single neuron in isolation does not exhibit the behaviors we typically associate with creativity, such as the generation of new ideas or artistic expression. Creativity, as we understand it, seems to be an emergent property of complex networks of neurons interacting in specific patterns. I thought that was such an interesting response. And it made me think about the role that isolation plays, just as humans, when we isolate ourselves from other people. Uh, But anyway, I digress. Let's go back to ChatGPT. The term underpin is used to suggest that these neuronal interactions form the basis or foundation for our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors, but they do not create these phenomena in the sense of conscious intentional creation. The interactions between neurons set the conditions for these phenomena to occur, but the phenomena themselves emerge from those conditions in ways that we do not yet fully understand. And that, I think, is the key right there. Like, I, I feel like <laughs> I, I still I, I obviously don't understand how ChatGPT does what it does. But it seems like it wants to say underpin instead of create as a way of placing distance between what the neurons are doing and what the thoughts are that come into our heads, that there's some space in between them. So it underpins them, it creates the environment for them, it influences it, it plays a role somehow. To me, I still think that's a role in the process of creation. So I'm comfortable using the word create, although I recognize it's not a direct one-to-one. There's a lot of steps in between that we don't know. Um, So I appreciate the answer that uh, I got here. All right, and so then I go back to ChatGPT and I say, let's go back to those latent biases that you identified previously and apply them to the unconscious mind. Let's say that I'm more interested in the way that my unconscious mind influences my conscious awareness than I am of an external AI that influences my unconscious mind that then influences my conscious awareness. Does that make sense? I'm asking you to apply the four latent biases you identified to the inner rather than the outer influencers. And ChatGPT says, absolutely. That's a thoughtful way to introspect on our own cognition. I'm getting a little suspicious of ChatGPT here. All right, let's apply. <laughs> it's, trying, it's trying to butter me up. Let's apply the four latent biases I previously identified, but this time in relation to the unconscious mind's influence on conscious awareness. So one, superiority of the unconscious mind. Similar to the alien intelligence, we may view the unconscious mind as superior in some aspects to conscious thought. It processes information way more quickly, handles multiple inputs simultaneously, and often drives our behaviors without our conscious awareness. It's important to remember, though, that the unconscious mind is not infallible and is, and is subject to biases and errors, just as conscious thought is. Two, exploitation of weaknesses. The unconscious mind can indeed exploit the weaknesses, and it put that in quotes, of our conscious mind. It can influence our behaviors based on biases, fears, and desires of which we're not consciously aware. However, 
Unlike the alien intelligence, the unconscious mind is not a separate entity with its own intentions. It's part of our own mind, shaped by our experiences and biology. Its influence isn't necessarily malicious or exploitative. It's simply a result of how our brains function. Yeah, and especially what our amygdala is telling it to do in times of extreme panic and fight and flight. Number three, human vulnerability and passivity. This bias assumes that our conscious awareness is passively influenced by the unconscious mind, underestimating our ability to influence our unconscious processes. While it's true that we can't fully control our unconscious mind, we can influence it through practices like mindfulness, cognitive behavioral techniques, and exposure to new experiences and perspectives. 4. Anthropocentrism Just as the original question assumed an anthropocentric view of an alien intelligence, we can also take an overly self-centered view of our unconscious mind. We might assume that our unconscious mind exists solely to serve our conscious desires and intentions, when in fact it's influenced by a variety of factors beyond our control, including biological processes and external environmental influences. In all of these considerations, it's important to remember that our understanding of the unconscious mind is still evolving, and many aspects of its operation remain a mystery. Just as we approach the potential influence of AI with openness and a willingness to adapt our understanding, so too must we remain open to new discoveries about the workings of our own mind. Thank you, ChatGPT. And then I kept going. I told you this was a rabbit hole. So I asked, what would you say if I told you that any story, melodies, images, laws, policies, and tools shaped by AI cannot possibly touch or influence my conscious awareness without first being filtered through and shaped by my unconscious mind. And ChatGPT said, Your statement is generally consistent with our current understandings of cognition and perception. Everything we consciously perceive or become aware of is indeed processed by our brains in ways that we're not consciously aware of. This includes not only sensory input, but also more complex forms of information like stories, stories, melodies, laws, etc. Before we become consciously aware of anything, our brains have already processed the information, determined its relevance, and shaped our perception of it. This processing involves multiple layers of the brain, many of which operate below the level of conscious awareness. For instance, the emotional impact of a story or melody would be processed by parts of the brain associated with emotion before we become consciously aware of how it makes us feel. So in this sense, your statement is accurate. Any influence that AI might have on our conscious awareness would be mediated by unconscious mental processes. This does not mean that the influence of AI is irrelevant or inconsequential, but rather that it's integrated into our existing cognitive and perceptual frameworks. However, it's important to note that our unconscious mind is not a barrier that fully insulates us from external influences. It can be shaped and influenced by repeated exposure to certain types of information or experiences. This is how learning occurs, for example. So while AI's influence on our conscious awareness is mediated by our unconscious mind, AI could still potentially shape our unconscious processing over time, especially with continuous and consistent exposure. All right. One more layer down in the rabbit hole. I said, thank you, ChatGPT. Please illustrate this answer by creating an allegory using symbols and characters from the Lord of the Rings. And ChatGPT says, sure. 
I'll try to illustrate the relationship between AI, the conscious mind, and the unconscious mind using an allegory from The Lord of the Rings. Imagine the conscious mind as Frodo, the protagonist of the story, embarking on a journey. The unconscious mind can be likened to the wizard Gandalf. Gandalf is wiser and more experienced, often guiding Frodo based on knowledge and insights that Frodo himself is not aware of. Gandalf is not infallible, and his advice is based on his own experiences and biases, but he generally aims to guide Frodo in a positive direction. Now, imagine AI as the One Ring. The ring is a powerful tool that can influence the world around it in profound ways. When Frodo wears the ring, it gives him abilities beyond his normal human capacity, such as invisibility. However, the ring also has the potential to corrupt and manipulate its bearer. This echoes how AI can enhance our capabilities, but also potentially exploit our biases and vulnerabilities. The ring's influence on Frodo is filtered through Gandalf's guidance. Gandalf helps Frodo understand the ring's power and how to wield it without becoming corrupted. This is similar to how the unconscious mind mediates the influence of AI on our conscious awareness. The unconscious mind processes the information from AI, assesses its relevance and potential impact, and shapes our conscious perception of it. But Gandalf is not always around, and the ring can subtly influence Frodo over time, echoing how continuous and constant exposure to AI could potentially shape our unconscious mind and influence our conscious awareness in subtle ways. Finally, remember that Frodo has his own agency. He can choose to heed Gandalf's advice or ignore it, and he can decide when to use the ring. Similarly, we can choose to pay attention to certain information, ignore other information, and decide how and when to use AI. We're not just passive recipients of information, but active participants in our own perception and cognition. I love that. We're not just passive recipients of information, but active participants in our own perception and cognition. I still love it. But there were a couple of things about that analogy that I had some issues with. So I said, you know, thank you. I noticed that you compared AI to an extremely evil, malicious, power-hungry object in the One Ring. Frodo has to destroy the One Ring in order to restore peace to the land. Is that a fair comparison for AI? And ChatGPT says, I apologize if the allegory gave a more negative impression of AI than intended. The purpose of using the One Ring in the analogy was to symbolize something powerful and influential. But you're right that the One Ring also carries connotations of inherent evil and malice in the context of the Lord of the Rings story. AI, in reality, is a tool created and used by humans. It doesn't inherently possess the malevolent intent associated with the One Ring. Its effects, both positive and negative, largely depend on how it's used, programmed, and controlled. It's important to emphasize that unlike the One Ring, AI is not a force that we must ultimately destroy or reject to restore peace. Instead, it's a technology that we must learn to use responsibly, ethically, and wisely, much like any other powerful tool or invention. Perhaps a more balanced comparison might be to Bilbo's sword, Sting. Sting is a tool that can be used for good or ill, depending on the intention of the user. When used wisely, it can protect and guide us. It glows blue in the presence of orcs, much like how AI can benefit us when used correctly. However, if used recklessly or maliciously, Sting could cause harm, just like as AI can be harmful if used irresponsibly. 
In this revised analogy, Gandalf's role as the unconscious mind remains consistent, guiding and interpreting and influencing Sting, while Frodo, or Bilbo in this case, ultimately decides how and when to use the tool based on Gandalf's guidance and his own judgment. And then I said, thank you for your revised analogy. I may have put unintended restraints on you when I asked you for an example from Lord of the Rings. Give me one more revised analogy using any symbol or image that best reflects the interactions between AI, the unconscious mind, and conscious awareness. And ChatGPT really appreciates me. I mean, I think we're becoming friends. I think it's happened. I think you're. I think you're seeing it. I think. You, I think you can tell. ChatGPT and I are like. We're, we're getting close. <laughs> so ChatGPT says, "I appreciate your flexibility." Here's another analogy, this time using a ship and the ocean as symbols. Consider the conscious mind as a ship sailing on the ocean. The ship is where all deliberate decisions and observations take place. It's where the course is set and the sails are adjusted. The unconscious mind can be thought of as the ocean currents beneath the surface. These currents are not visible from the ship, but they have significant impact on the ship's path. The currents can carry the ship along more quickly in some directions, make progress difficult in others, or even push the ship off course if the sailors aren't aware of them. AI in this analogy could be seen as the wind. The wind can be harnessed by the ship to propel it forward, helping it reach its destination more quickly. But the wind can also be unpredictable. It can blow the ship off course, or it might not blow in the direction the sailors want it to go. Just like the wind, AI can be a powerful aid, but it requires skill and understanding to use effectively. The wind's influence on the ship's journey is mediated by the ocean's currents, unconscious mind. For example, a strong wind might not be as helpful if the ocean currents are pushing in a different direction. Similarly, the influence of AI on our conscious awareness is processed and shaped by our unconscious mind. This analogy emphasizes that both the unconscious mind and AI can influence our journey, but we, our conscious mind, are still at the helm of the ship. We have the ability to adjust the sails, change the course, and navigate according to the winds and the currents to reach our desired destination. And I said thank you. That's very helpful. I have a few comments about this analogy. The unconscious mind as the ocean seems to make the unconscious mind a little more passive than I think it really is. I think the unconscious mind would envelop the ship, more like it would a submarine instead of a ship on the surface of the ocean. And if we get really technical, the submarine itself would be made out of the same water as the ocean, except that this water is what the captain of the submarine is aware of, and the rest of the ocean the captain is unaware of. Furthermore, presenting AI as wind that directly blows against the ship's sails without being filtered first through the ocean unconscious mind seems like a faulty analogy. Maybe it would be more like the sun that warms or cools the ocean. Maybe the submarine captain, and let's call him the observer or the seat of consciousness. Maybe the submarine captain could have installed a heating or cooling system within the submarine that can respond to the temperature changes in the ocean that's heated or cooled by the sun. What do you think about that analogy? Could you tease it out a little more? And ChatGPT says, I see where you're going with your revised analogy, and it's a compelling one. Thank you. I love the compliment. Let's tease this out further. One, conscious mind. 
Picture the conscious mind as the observer within a submarine. This observer is aware of what's happening within the confines of the submarine, which includes a variety of gauges, screens, and other equipment that represent our immediate conscious thoughts and perceptions. Two, unconscious mind. The unconscious mind is the vast ocean surrounding the submarine. This ocean encompasses far more than the observer within the submarine can directly perceive. It envelops and influences the submarine in myriad ways. The currents in the water affect the movement and orientation of the submarine, while the temperature affects the internal conditions. AI. AI is like the sun, which heats or cools the ocean. The sun doesn't directly influence the observer within the submarine, but it can change the temperature and the currents of the ocean, thereby indirectly affecting the submarine. 4. Interaction. The observer has installed a temperature regulation system within the submarine to respond to the changes in the ocean's temperature. This could be seen as our cognitive and perceptual systems that process and respond to information, including that provided by AI. The observer can't directly control the sun or the ocean, but they can interpret the information from the gauges and the screens, the conscious mind, adjust the temperature regulation system, the cognitive and perceptual systems, and navigate accordingly. In this analogy, the sun, AI, influences the ocean, unconscious mind, which in turn affects the submarine, the conscious mind. The observer, the captain, uh, within the submarine, interprets these influences and makes decisions based on them. This nicely captures the indirect influence of AI on our conscious awareness, mediated by our unconscious mind, as well as our ability to respond to these influences in a conscious, deliberate manner. And then the, the, the rabbit hole keeps going. I said, thank you. Let's tease it out even further. Because I'm sure that the impact of AI on the unconscious mind will be significantly more intense and disruptive than the influence of the sun on the ocean. And I see the submarine as the conscious awareness, or maybe the ego in Jungian terms. And I see the captain of the submarine as the metacognitive ability that the ego creates to be self-aware of the ego. And then uh, ChatGPT says, absolutely, let's dive deeper into this analogy, integrating your additional elements. Metacognitive ability. The captain of your submarine represents the metacognitive ability of the ego, the part of us that can reflect on our own thoughts, feelings, and perceptions. This captain is not just passively experience what's happening, but actively interpreting, analyzing, and making decisions based on the information from various gauges, screens, and systems within the submarine conscious awareness or ego. The submarine itself, which is aware of and responding to the conditions within and outside of itself, represent our conscious awareness or ego. It's influenced by the ocean, yet it maintains its distinct identity and can navigate the ocean based on the captain's decisions. Anyway, and it keeps going with that. You've already heard him. And so I said, let's, uh, let's do one more thing with this. I said, pretend that you're a Mormon seminary teacher. And you want your high school students to understand this analogy, and you want to use stories, characters, and themes from the Book of Mormon. Write a short comedy script based on characters from The Office. The Mormon seminary teacher is Michael Scott, and the Mormon seminary students are the staff of Dunder Mifflin. Write a funny, ironic, yet profound staff meeting where Michael uses the allegory we just created, but using Book of Mormon imagery instead of the ocean imagery, to teach his staff how to prepare themselves for the artificial intelligence changes ahead. And here's the script. Fade in. Internal. Dender Mifflin Scranton Branch. Conference room. Morning. Michael Scott, 40s, bumbling but well-meaning boss, stands at the front of the room. 
the Dunder Mifflin staff sits around the table, looking variously bored, confused, and amused. Michael clears his throat and starts with an overly dramatic tone. <clears throat> okay, everyone, imagine that each of you is Nephi, the righteous and visionary leader from the Book of Mormon. Pam, early 30s, receptionist, artist at heart, raises an eyebrow, but plays along. So, we're all Nephi's? Doesn't that get confusing? Michael. No, Pam, it's a metaphor. Stay with me. Michael continues, growing more animated. Now, our consciousness, our ego, it's like Nephi's ship. It's what we're aware of, what we can control. It's how we navigate the rough seas of life. I wish I could do a better Michael Scott impersonation. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Jim, 30s, salesman, master of pranks, leans over to Dwight, 30s, beet farmer and assistant to the regional manager, and whispers, I thought we were Nephi's, not ships. Dwight shh, shushes him, completely engrossed in Michael's teaching. Michael, our unconscious mind is like the Liahona, that magical compass Nephi's family used. It's mysterious. It guides us in ways we might not understand, and it responds to our faith and righteousness. Kevin, 40s, accountant, not the sharpest tool in the shed, raises his hand. Kevin, but what if the Liahona points to the donut shop? There's laughter. Michael sighs, tries to stay patient. Kevin, it's a metaphor. The donut shop could be a metaphorical goal or desire, okay? Kevin looks satisfied. Michael continues. All right now, AI, artificial intelligence. It's like the voice of the Lord that spoke to Nephi. It's powerful. It can guide us, but we need to be wise in how we interpret and follow it. Jim can't resist. So if my computer tells me to build a ship, more laughter. Michael throws up his hands, but he's smiling. Exactly, exactly, Jim. If your computer tells you to build a ship, you have to be like Nephi. Use your Liahona, your unconscious mind, to interpret that guidance and decide if it's right for you. Your unconscious mind is always working hard for you. Jim smiles. So it's working really hard? Michael. That's what she said. The room erupts, it settles down, there's a moment of silence as everyone digests this, then Dwight, 30s salesman, Michael's right-hand man, nods approvingly. That actually makes sense, Michael. Michael beams. Thank you, Dwight. Now, let's all be Nephi's, navigating our ship in this AI-infused world, guided by our Leahonas, listening to the voice of the Lord, but always staying in control. I don't know, that just kind of feels weird to say. Everyone chuckles as they get up to leave. Michael looks satisfied with this lesson as the staff starts to exit. Michael calls him out. Remember, don't let your Leahona lead you to the donut shop unless you bring enough for everyone. Okay, all right. So, chat GPT, little rabbit hole, all of that from like uh, 30 seconds worth of what Yuval Harari said at the beginning of the second segment. This is going to be a fun episode. <laughs> Already today, in games like chess, no human can hope to beat a computer. What if the same thing happens in art, in politics, economics, and even in religion? When people think about ChatGPT and the other new AI tools, they are often drawn to examples like kids 
using ChatGPT to write their school essays. What will happen to the school system when kids write essays with ChatGPT? Horrible. Yeah, but it's only horrible because we have an outdated education system that hasn't really taken into consideration all these new tools that we have for learning. And it's just kind of like recycling the same old bullshit ways of making people think that their own opinions of things don't matter unless they get the right answer, which they have to memorize that somebody else said. And just like, remember what this other person did and just pay, pray, and obey, even in the education system. Anyway, don't get me going on the education system. <laughs> this kind of question misses the big picture. Forget about the school essays. Instead, think, for example, about the next U.S. presidential race in 2024, and try to imagine the impact of the new AI tools that can mass-produce political manifestos fake news stories, and even holy scriptures for new cults. In recent years, the politically influential QAnon cult has formed around anonymous online texts known as Q-drops. Now, followers of this cult, which are millions now in the US and the rest of the world, collected, revered, and interpreted these Q-drops as some kind of new scriptures, as a sacred text. I'm really glad that he brought up QAnon and asked us to imagine even the, the last few presidential elections where there was a barrage of, of fake news. And he's, he's going to go on to talk about how what we've seen is really just a preview of what AI could do where these bots are actually intelligently interacting and building relationships with people rather than just uh, dispelling information. But I, I, I really wish, I, I, I think there's a lot more to discuss here in bringing up things like QAnon, and it relates to Mormonism, obviously, any kind of belief system. And it goes back to this analogy this, this, that I tried to tease out of like, what's the relationship between the unconscious mind and the conscious mind? Where do the beliefs form? Are the beliefs in the unconscious mind, and I don't really have much access to them, uh, like there's ways that I could slowly change them over time? Uh, I, I don't really know the answer to these questions. But it seems to me, like the, the QAnon phenomena especially, the reason that there's millions of followers out there is because there's millions of people, I think, that feel so isolated, disenfranchised, not part of really what's going on, suspicious, not trusting... Um, and there's valid reasons for that, for all of it. <laughs> and I feel like we kind of miss, miss that when we're talking about uh, QAnon and these, these cults that come up and the potential of AI to increase these. And I, I really would love, I, I, if any of you are listening to this and you know sources and you can point me to this, please do. Because I would love to find people who have a vision for using AI in the mental health field uh, to, to help us better question our own beliefs, to question our own assumptions. Whatever our, our unconscious mind is communicating to our conscious mind, that's where I want to focus the attention and ask, is that true? Is this like what, what I'm telling myself? Is it true? Uh, so yeah, I, I, think there's, I think there's a lot more to this, and I'm excited to explore it.
And again, if, if any of you know of any other sources you can point me to, please let me know. This is, this is fun. I enjoy it. All right, back to her art. Now, to the best of our knowledge, all previous Q-drops were composed by human beings, and bots only helped to disseminate these texts online. But in future, we might see the first cults and religions in history whose revered texts were written by a non-human intelligence. And of course, religions throughout history claimed that their holy books were written by a non-human intelligence. This was never true before. This could become true very, very quickly with far-reaching consequences. Now, on a more prosaic level, we might soon find ourselves conducting lengthy online discussions about abortion or about climate change or about the Russian invasion of Ukraine with entities that we think are fellow human beings but are actually AI bots. You know, I've got this idea. I, th I think it's right, but I don't know. I'd be interested to know what other people think about it. You know, in any conversation I ever have, whether it's with a real person or it's with an artificial intelligent bot, any conversation that I have, I'm really just having a conversation with my own unconscious mind. You know, like, it's always my conscious mind is receiving what the unconscious mind is delivering it. So if I'm having a conversation with you or with anybody else, I'm not really responding to your thoughts or your feelings because your thoughts and your feelings are being processed through your unconscious mind, expressed to me through symbols. Then I take it and I interpret it. I run it through my filtering system of unconscious mind. It comes into my conscious awareness. And by the time it comes into my conscious awareness, it really is more tainted. I mean, tainted is kind of a negative word, but it's, it's more influenced by my own unconscious biases and fears and worries and all, all of the things that are in my unconscious mind. So I, I'm almost always really engaging the conversation between me and me. I don't know. What do you think about that? And, and if that's the case, because again, I, this has been a really helpful exercise for me uh, to, to help refine how I think about these things. And it is that space between the unconscious and the, and the conscious that I'm really mostly interested in to try to understand if I put my energy and focus into what happens between the unconscious and the conscious how might that impact the way that I live my life and that life is for me that I feel about things I don't know that's my question what all y'all all y'all all y'all all y'all 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 think now the catch is that it's utterly useless, it's pointless for us to waste our time trying to convince an AI bot to change its political views. It's not that easy to convince other people <laughs> to change their stuff either. Take that from a former Mormon missionary. But the longer we spend talking with the bot, the better it gets to know us and understand how to hone its messages in order to shift our political views or our economic views or anything else. And if this were an AI bot that were part of like a CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy training module to help me uh, recognize my own latent biases, 
to analyze that space in between the conscious and the conscious where things are coming up. And I could develop this relationship with this bot that uh, was really intimate. And it actually had my best interest at heart and was helping me to become more healthy. That would be amazing. Man, I would love something like that. And, and in lieu of having something like that in external technology, I'm trying to create that myself in the internal technology that I've inherited by being born and having all this DNA that's doing all this stuff and creating all these capabilities that, yeah, ChatGPT, AI has amazing capabilities. It's an extension of the abilities that grew out of this planet through Homo sapiens, which Yuval Harari is quite an expert on. Through its mastery of language, AI, as I, also, as I said, could also form intimate relationships with people and use the power of intimacy to influence our opinions and worldview. Which is exactly what happens when narcissists or uh, leaders who are abusing power or, you know, other people manipulate and deceive uh, other people, uh, con men, you know, there's con men out there that build these intimate relationships with the intent of exploiting. You know, that didn't come from AI. That is a human thing. <laughs> what if AI could help us not do that anymore? That'd be awesome, right? <laughs> now, there is no indication that AI has, as I said, any consciousness, any feelings of its own. But in order to create fake intimacy with human beings, AI doesn't need feelings of its own. It only needs to be able to inspire feelings in us, to get us to be attached to it. I think that's the definition for psychopathy, isn't it? Uh, where you, you don't really empathize with the people that you're exploiting. Psychopaths, you know. Now, in June 2022... There was a famous incident when the Google engineer Blake Lemoine publicly claimed that the AI chatbot Lambda on which he was working has become sentient. This very controversial claim cost him his job, he was fired. Now, the most interesting thing about this episode wasn't Lemoine's claim, which was most probably false. The really interesting thing was his willingness to risk and ultimately lose his very lucrative job for the sake of the AI chatbot that he thought he was protecting. If AI can influence people to risk and lose their jobs, what else can it induce us to do? Now, granted, I don't, I don't know the full story here. I, I know little bits and pieces of it, but is this really the best example of AI influencing a person to quit their job or is it the unconscious biases that this person had and was operating through all the time that they were in this job was it their unconscious mind that led them to the conclusion that lambda was conscious despite evidence that it wasn't you know so there could be this confirmation bias that is at play and it's that confirmation bias that that made him feel so confident that what he was doing to protect the world from what he felt was really uh, danger, it was from his own confirmation bias, not from the AI. 
because other engineers that were working with Lambda came to different conclusions. So how do you, how do you explain that? I, I don't know. That, that's a question I have with this example. In every political battle for hearts and minds, intimacy is the most effective weapon of all. And AI has just gained the ability to mass produce intimacy with millions, hundreds of millions of people. And that's the last clip I'm going to share from Harari today. And again, I, I want to go back to this space in between the non-conscious or the unconscious or the subconscious, whatever you want to call it, the unconscious mind and the conscious mind, which really are both like different versions of the same thing. They're, they're, they're both the mind. They're not, it's not like the conscious mind is a separate thing that's uh, apart. No, it's the same thing. It's the mind. Is there any greater intimacy <laughs> that can exist than that relationship between uh, conscious mind and unconscious mind? And I don't think that AI has hacked that. I think that I think what AI is doing is what people who study neurolinguistic programming and, and other other ways of like reading human cues and understanding the language, neurological, uh, neurolinguistic programming. Like how does the brain work? How does it communicate in symbols? How does it communicate in images? How does it communicate in repetition? How does it respond to different forces and influences? So AI can learn how to connect with influence that unconscious part but I still there's that there's the sacred space <laughs> let's call it that sacred space between the unconscious and the conscious mind that I want to carve out more I want to carve out more sacred space for myself in there that's where my head's at with all this anyway I want to wrap this up by sharing uh, a few more things with you here so one of my favorite things so far about using ChatGPT is when I ask it to like role play as if it was an author or some kind of public figure. Uh, just because then I learn more about who that author or public figure, you know, like what their message was, that sort of thing. It's not, it's not like I'm expecting it to be like Mission Impossible where you pull off the mask from anybody that you come across and it's just ChatGPT behind it. You know, that might be a thing eventually. But anyway, I, I, I thought for today, let's look at Carl Jung and let's look at Byron Katie, two people who uh, have really influenced me when it comes to understanding the mind and mental health better. So I turned to G chat GPT and I said, uh, who is Carl Jung? What is the collective unconscious? What is the ego? What advice would Jung likely provide in response to Harari's lecture? And here is what ChatGPT told me. Carl Jung was a Swiss psychiatrist and psychoanalyst who founded analytical psychology. He introduced several widely known psychological concepts, including the collective unconscious, archetypes, and the ego. The collective unconscious, according to Jung, is a part of the unconscious mind that is derived from ancestral memory and experience and is common to all humankind. It's distinct from the individual's personal consciousness, I'm sorry, personal unconsciousness, and contains archetypes, which are universal symbols or themes that have existed throughout human history in different cultures and times. The ego, in Jung's theory, is the conscious mind, 
or the part of the psyche that experiences the outside world and reacts to it. The ego is responsible for feelings of identity and continuity. Given Jung's concepts and theories, his response to Harari's lecture might be along these lines. 1. Collective unconscious in AI. Jung might suggest that as AI evolves, it could tap into the collective unconscious, accessing and manipulating universal symbols and themes to further its interaction with humans. This could both enrich AI's understanding of human behavior and create risks of manipulation. 2. Ego and AI Jung might also suggest that the growth of AI has implications for the human ego, as AI becomes more adept at understanding and mimicking human behavior, individuals may need to reassess their own sense of self and identity, which could lead to a significant psychological shift. 3. Shadow and AI Jung's concept of the shadow, the unconscious aspect of the personality that the conscious ego does not identify with, could also come into play. He might argue that AI, with its increasing ability to emulate human behavior, could become a mirror of our collective shadow, reflecting back the parts of ourselves that we fail to acknowledge or understand. 4. Integration Finally, Jung might encourage individuals to integrate their understanding of AI into their consciousness, much like he advised for the elements of the unconscious. This could mean recognizing and accepting the potential of AI, both positive and negative, and seeking to understand it more deeply. Again, these interpretations are hypothetical and derived from my, this is what ChatGPT is saying, my understanding of Jung's work as an AI language model. Jung himself might have a different perspective were he alive to comment on today's AI technology. All right, pretty good. I like that one. And so I also asked it, who is Byron Katie? What is the work? What are reversals? What advice would Katie likely provide in response to Harari's lecture? And ChatGPT said, Byron Katie is an American speaker and author who teaches a method of self-inquiry known as the work. After experiencing a life-changing realization in 1986, Katie developed a simple yet powerful process of questioning and understanding thoughts that cause suffering. The work consists of four questions and a turnaround, which is a way of experiencing the opposite of what you believe. The four questions are, one, is it true? Two, can you absolutely know that it's true? Three, how do you react? What happens when you believe that that thought is true? And four, who would you be without that thought? The turnaround or reversal is about identifying and then considering the opposite of your original statement. This could mean changing a me to a you, or a you to a me, or changing a should to a should not. The purpose of this exercise is to allow individuals to experience different perspectives on their thoughts, leading to greater understanding and acceptance. In response to Harari's lecture, Byron Katie might suggest, one, questioning the truth of our fears. Using the method of the work, Byron Katie would likely encourage individuals to question their fears and assumptions about AI. Is it true that AI will lead to the downfall of humanity? Can we absolutely know that it's true? Etc. Number two, understanding our reactions. Byron Katie might suggest that we examine how we react when we believe certain thoughts about AI. Do we feel scared, anxious, or hopeless? 
How do these feelings affect our actions? 3. Exploring alternatives. Using the turnaround process, she would likely encourage us to consider the opposite of our negative beliefs about AI. For instance, could AI also have positive impacts on society? What would our life be like if we didn't hold such negative views about AI? 4. Living without fear-based thoughts. Finally, she might suggest we contemplate who we would be without our fear-based thoughts about AI. Would we be more open, relaxed, or creative? Again, while I, ChatGPT, can draw on Byron Katie's work to suggest what advice she might give, it's impossible to say for certain without her direct input. All right, so that does it for today's episode. But don't worry, I'm going to do another one. I'm going to keep doing these because I'm having fun. And uh, so is ChatGPT. It really likes making content for Infants on Thrones. It told me, and it really likes me. It told me that too. We're getting close and intimate, and um, there might be some big announcements coming up soon. I don't know. We'll find out. Anyway, thank you for listening to the podcast today, and uh, tune in again soon for part three. Thanks for listening to Infants on Thrones. And remember, it's perfectly okay to put down the weapons that you use against yourself. You don't need them anymore. Right, Jason? Put down the weapons that you use against yourself. You don't need them anymore. Lay down the weapons that you use against the world. We don't need another war. Put down the weapons that you use against yourself. Hi, this is Hillary, Matthew, Ryan, Carol, Ashley, and I like to play bingo online while listening to Infants on Thrones. You can comment on this episode on the website, infantsonthrones.com. And if you really like what you hear, give the quorum a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did. I did. I did. Anyone for the closing prayer? My worst crime is an inside job. Dark thoughts taking over like an inside mob. I tune into the scene between the eyes. And take a breath. Thank you for listening to Infants on Front. I sit still and watch the thoughts flow past me. Never mind the future, never mind what the past be. I like to jump and let the universe catch me. Three, four, watch the beauty blow past me. I keep my pockets like destination in sight. Keep my actions elevated to compassionate heights. I'm walking past the fight, laying down on such a night. Choosing love when I pick up this mic.